If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Thank you so much for tuning into the show and welcome to Season 2 of the Audiobook Club with John York. The Audiobook Club, partnered with Pro Audio Voices, celebrates audiobooks, the amazing people and teams who make them happen, as well as the various talents behind storytelling. To learn more about Amplify and other opportunities to grow your sales, platform and audience, head over to ProAudioVoices.com and listen out for a short but informational advertisement within this episode. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we're so lucky to be joined once again by voice actor and audiobook narrator RJ Bailey. RJ, thank you so much for joining me once again on the show. How are you? I'm doing very good, thank you. I'm I'm all the better for seeing you. <laughs> you are too kind. So, <laughs> how how have things been since we've last spoken? It's uh, coming up to nearly a year, I believe. Uh, Is last, it? Yeah, I think it was April last year that we spoke. God, uh, yeah. I didn't. I thought it was more like six months ago or something. That's crazy. <laughs> that has flown by. Yeah, it's good. You know, just just being busy, trying to make 2023 a very good year. Uh, so I've just been really like revving up my trying to rev up my social media presence, see see if that will uh, garner me uh, more cool collaborations. But yeah, it's been it's yeah it's been, been up and down, but it's generally been pretty good. Thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, it's been all right. Just the same, really. Plenty of ups and downs, and just trying to trying to keep busy and trying to stay positive. Uh, with everything that's going on in the world around us. But one thing that has happened, I believe, and please do correct me if I hope I haven't got this wrong, but one thing uh, that I think has happened is you've had a kitten named in your honour. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that, did you? Um, I did. Okay, so I'm not sure. It's not really in my honour. However, one of the authors I work with, they're absolutely lovely, called Trudy Skies. They wrote the book, um, the first book in the Cruel Gods series um mm-hmm. is called the 13th hour and i was fortunate enough to narrate that for them and they were originally going to call the cat bailey b-a-i-l-e-y um after a, a novel a character in a forthcoming novel so um she messaged me and said uh, or tweeted me and said would it be weird if i did that and i was like please go the full fog and hog and replace <laughs> the i with the y so it's actually my name so she was like i'm gonna do it and that also means the lead character in her next book series is going to be called bailey like my name as well so i i definitely have a part to play in that and it's amazing like just a constant source of amusement when she's tweeting stuff uh sorry when they're tweeting stuff about their cat and um it's it's you know they're saying like uh, Bailey likes to run all over the place, chew things, and knock things over. <laughs> but when I put Bailey, hold Bailey close to my chest, Bailey immediately goes to sleep, and I'm like, this is this is a constant font of enjoyment to see to see. And 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 I will tweet that, and I will say, yeah, I very much enjoy that. That's the only reason why I run around and knock things over. Stay, be, be hugged closely by Trudy. So yeah, it's pretty. It's a, I am deeply honoured. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, that is so much fun. You're making you're making big impact in the uh, in the industry. 
I was saying, like, never mind a thousand dollars per full hour. Kitten named after me. That's where it's at. Oh yeah, every time. Not even a competition. Um, so we're recording this uh, in January, of course. Um, how are you around New Year's? Do you do you set resolutions? Is it business as usual? How is you know? How do you sort of compartmentalize New Year's? So I. I used to be very off on New Year's resolutions because I was like, well, if I'm going to do a res, if I'm going to make a change, why mm. wait till um, uh, New Year? Why does it have to be that particular point in the year? And then I, I think there was part of me deep down as well that knew I fail if I if I do a New Year's uh, resolution. Well, yeah. a couple of years ago. I, I, um, I set myself a New Year's resolution. Well, a couple of years ago, actually a year before that, set myself a New Year's resolution. Now, I like to paint my, you know, my miniatures, my Warhammer, my Stargrave. Yeah. And was like, um, I'll just try and have a backlog of, of miniatures to build and paint. I'm going to paint an hour a night for, um, you know, with, with exceptions, you know, if I'm on holiday or whatever, I can't. Yeah. Um, And then I stuck to it and I did an hour a night and I got through it. My painting got a lot better. So I was like, what if I, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. So what if I write for an hour a night? Um, So I did and I stuck to it. And like I've been, you know, writing an hour a night. So I got a long way through a book and then I eventually got like quite bad depression because it was such a bleak, horrific book. And I was like, I can't be writing this at the moment. So I took a bit of a break from it. But now I'm back with my resolution. Um, And I love it because, you know, the fear of failure is there. So like that kind of like shame motivates me in a way, that self-shame, that there is risk to it and the risk is a good motivator. So I've hmm. approached that with my um, work as well. Now I'm doing, you know, and I was writing a night on a kind of like quite trashy sci-fi uh, <laughs> fantasy novel. Um, and I'm also making a resolution to reach out and contact more um, authors and more production companies, hmm. make it one, at least one contact every single uh, work day um, of someone new so that's you know that's returning a lot of good stuff um and and yeah and also up my social media presence which i'm trying to do so at least one post across the platforms uh just yeah. to keep me visible so yeah that that's how i've approached it just something that recurring i can do every day yeah so yeah it's it's pretty simple but hopefully it will real reap good results yeah, it should do. It sounds like you've got your sort of, you know, fingers in many pies if you're writing as well. And you're an incredibly creative person on like all the fronts. That's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the the novel <laughs> is like um, Dracula versus the Martians. So it's nice. not massively creative because I'm just taking two extremely famous public domain antagonists and pitting them against each other for this one. So, yeah. Um, but I appreciate that. Yeah, I do. I do do like being creative. It's very nice. It's very fun. I don't think I could do a job that wasn't, which is why yeah. I failed all my normal jobs. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Don't worry about it. So with with writing, um, do you find then working on so many um, audiobooks, you know, having to prep the the books and, and working with so many authors, do you think that's like positively impacted your own kind of interest to to pursue writing? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, it was very important being a full-time voice actor because 
I thought that is such an unusual thing to do mm. um, and such a hard thing to do full time um, that I thought, well, if I can do that, then I could probably write a book as well. Like I'm making a living as a professional artist, so yeah. I, I could probably write a book as well. And there's nothing really riding on that. Like I don't have to make a, a living out of that. I'm making a living out of what I'm doing. So it was just very empowering to kind of go, well, if I've got the creative skill to do this and essentially reading books, I'm told, is the best kind of research and learning you can do for writing a book. So Mm. I professionally read books and then I listen to lots of audio books in my spare time. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really helped doing that and being amongst authors that I work with are um, very lovely people, very welcoming, inclusive uh, mm. encouraging positive so yeah that's surrounding myself with very encouraging positive creative writers has really helped me as well it's, it's brilliant yeah. um so i i did actually as well had a have a problem recently <laughs> because like i i was like maybe i should in, include i need a scientist in the book and i was like well dr jekyll's in the public domain so i read doc uh, strange case of dr jekyll and mr hyde and then I was listening to other audiobooks. And this is not meant to be a slight on anyone. And it's not people I've worked with, but I listen to audiobooks in my spare time. And I was just like, this is, I can't go back. It's not, it's like, I know it's an extremely unfair comparison, but I was like, after reading Robert Louis Stevenson, all writing is not as good as Robert Louis Stevenson. <laughs> and I don't think any author will probably go, yeah, that's absolutely, you know, they're not going to have yeah, a problem yeah. with that. But it was just like getting back into like more common fiction was a bit like, this is difficult, man, because <laughs> Robert Louis Stevenson's blown, blown everything out of the water. Like yeah. I just what came back from holiday, having a recharge holiday. Holiday before that was my long delayed COVID honeymoon, five star <laughs> hotel. This one nice. was a few days and we were like, like, let's go for a few days to a five-star hotel just to relax in the sun. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, same thing. It's like, if I go to my usual three-star hotel again, I'll be like, oh, going to have to get relearn how to love this. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I, f- I feel like that about PG Woodhouse. It's just as a wordsmith. Yeah, I just, um, I think you just can't get any better than, better than his, you know, he's, comedy his comedic touch is so unlike any you know the others just don't even come close and you just find yourself missing it yeah <laughs> it's such an unfair comparison but at yeah. the same time it's like it's hard it's it's a real struggle man Absolutely. it's unfair it's unfair but the heart yeah. wants what the heart wants <laughs> exactly exactly and i find to be fair it does elevate my writing i found my writing mm. seemed a bit better once i'd read like the absolute untouchable unarguable masterpieces of english literature i was like yeah this is this is helping my writing here so i can't you know can't begrudge it for being too good for many reasons Mm, absolutely so um moving on to um a little bit more about vo um seeking representation is a huge goal that many of us in the vo and narration industry share um it's actually one of the most uh, requested topics for me to discuss with guests on on this show um so the obvious question being obviously how do you get one but i wondered if you could explain it maybe in basic terms 
what a VO agent does, you know, specifically a, a voice acting agent or voiceover agent, what do they exactly do and how does that relationship work between, you know, talent and agent? Okay, so uh, it's kind of like an aggregator for auditions and stuff. So it, regarding, you know, um, say you might go on um, a pay-to-play website. I'm not on any myself, but I've been on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might see all these individual um, jobs for auditions that you can audition for. And if you get it, you will get to voice this video game trailer or this corporate film. What a, you know, and the, the problem is there, the prices, the, the fee that you might receive might not be very good because there's no like vetting. Mm-hmm. What an agent does is higher quality. It's hard, you know, I don't want to say that as an absolute blanket statement. I'm, mm-hmm. I've seen a few really big brands on things like uh, Voices.com uh, or mm. Fiverr or something. And uh, but generally, the big brands or the more, de- more des- brands that are probably more desirable to have on your CV mm-hmm. um, will go to a voice agent um, because they know that the voice agent has vetted who are on their roster and the people on that roster are going to be good. They're vouched for um, mm-hmm. because they, they're on the, they wouldn't be on the roster. Otherwise they will send jobs to the VO agent. Um, there will be uh, negotiations where the VO agent will get a good uh, rate for you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, industry standard or what industry standard should be, um, and then they will put out the audition uh, in an email to whoever is suitable on their roster. So mm-hmm. if they want a bloke uh, who can do Northern English accent, I would be one of the people that they would send the job to or the audition. Mm-hmm. And then I would audition um, and then hopefully get the job. Um, so, yeah, it's like a way of kind of aggregating auditions. I mm-hmm. kind of see... Um, I see if you're individually trying to audition for something, um, it's it's similar to uh, build a man a fire versus uh, teach them how to uh, build a fire. Or it's kind of like you might spear fish and fish one fish at a time, but uh, an agent is kind of like, will is someone who kind of helps you fishing and casts a net out and brings you in all these auditions so it cuts out having to find auditions auditions are just sent to you and if Mm -hmm. you get enough agents you can actually um probably just quite happily audition for everything that comes in and that's all your auditioning time taken up so that's what they do i mean i do have other agents uh one of which i work with really quite a lot and and they send me like just jobs they just let me have jobs uh, just said, we need you to do this job. Can you do it? And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Um, so yeah, if you get lucky with an agent, they'll send you some, you know, s- some yeah. jobs just with no input required from you because they have your demo on file, uh, mm-hmm. and then they send the demo to the agents, and that's where you gotcha. want to get a commercial demo uh, made. Usually, I got my first agents by making my own demos. You'll hear. Mm-hmm. The common wisdom is don't make your own demo. You'll never get agents. But I made my own demos uh, and I got agents and some of them are pretty good. So, um, yeah, it can be done. I don't know if I'm a fluke 
I did, you know, I worked in, you know, I've done community radio for a long time. I don't know if I've just got a good sense for it. I knew my yeah. way around a ma- uh, an editing program. I had my own microphone and stuff. I knew how to master. So that helped uh, a lot, I reckon, in making, in, in managing to get my uh, agents off a demo that I'd self-produced. But the common wisdom is get someone to make it, which is pricey. Yeah. But when I graduated so to speak i stopped using my self-produced demo and got someone else to make it uh which was about 600 quid at red facilities it was very good in edinburgh i highly recommend using them um when i got that and then i sent that to my agents uh saying here's my new demo that immediately repaid itself very quickly oh nice uh a a month or two Mm. um from each uh agent Uh, and it really accelerated the amount of money that I make now, thanks to that. So, yeah, a professional demo is is really, really useful. It might not be uh, absolutely necessary. I certainly didn't do it. but uh, And it's good for just getting on a roster. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it, either way, like a, a demo is what you do to join an agency. Usually they'll request certain kind of demos, corporate narration, mm-hmm. uh, animation, it depends. Look on their websites and they'll tell you if they're accepting submissions and what to send. So you need to have demos that are correct and fit the criteria they're looking for. And if they accept your demo, if they like it, then they'll put you on the roster. And that's how, how it's done, basically. So when in, with commercial demos, are you sort of... So, for instance, in your case, um, at Red Facility, um, you say in Edinburgh. Um, so when you went there, did you like come with a with a like a, a script that you brought did they did they kind of direct you how how did that process work uh i didn't come with a script they had their own scripts uh that they okay. use and they change them and write new ones on a regular basis so you're not just getting an identical script to countless other voice actors um they will provide you a good script that they've researched and they know what's fashionable at the moment and what people mm. like to hear uh, so that'll give you the best chance of scoring gigs and then uh, I went into the voice booth um, and I get directed. Yeah, basically, a um, guy called James uh, directs me. Uh, and he's I work with them quite a bit now and he's mm-hmm. always directing me. And, he, you know, he tells me to try things a little bit uh, softer, a bit harder, a bit more enthusiastic, a bit more laid back, uh, put the accent on a bit, less of that, you know, more RP. Mm. Um, yeah, so he'll direct you. It's what you imagine uh, being directed to be. So in a way, it's a really good um, first step into being directed by someone in a in a sound studio setting um, and getting comfortable with that uh, that thing. Because I was a bit intimidated when I went in, and I'm always a little bit nervous because someone else is right there in front of me who's yeah. an absolute expert. And I often a client is on the line as well, or a client is in the room through the uh, through the glass screen. So um, it's a really good way, a low pressure way of getting used to being in a sound studio and being directed. Yeah, so mm. I recommend it from that uh, um, that uh, aspect as well. Yeah, fantastic. I'm definitely gonna have to look into that myself. Um, yeah, it's really cool. It does pay a lot better than audiobooks as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like a radio advert, I got like six hundred twenty five quid. It was an hour's work, and that's not yeah. me tooting my own trumpet. That's me saying, if you, if you can get some like corporate work, even better advertising work, the amount you make compared to the amount of work you do 
and then compare that to what you make on an audiobook and how much mm. work you have to do for that is magnitudes more so it's really good to be to have that lit that that income as well yeah. even if you're part of a um you know audiobook mentality and if that's your direction good to have it in your back pocket you know they'll yeah. swing you a, a few hundred quid now and then it's who wouldn't you know times get tough with audiobooks they go up and down um Absolutely. sometimes you don't get any work sometimes you take a punt on a royalty share that doesn't work out good to have a few hundred quid coming in you know when you need it so i highly recommend that yeah absolutely well um yeah i've got some questions to ask you off air about (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i I keep seeing um i keep seeing some uh incredibly recognizable brands and companies um being added to your own cv on on social media um now i'm not sure how much you know in detail you can speak about it um so do cut me off if uh, we're not allowed um but there is a little at the end of my road and um am i gonna recognize a certain voice while perusing the shelves (laughs) alas not I wish um, that I'm not allowed to say specifically what it was on, but it was a staff uh, video about new um, a new initiative that they're mm. starting. So it's internal. A lot of the corporate stuff I do, 99% of the corporate stuff I do is internal videos, mm-hmm. uh, corporate videos. You know, I do health and safety videos for like Gatwick Airport and, and places like that. Um, I do, you know, new initiatives, new learnings, new ways of doing things that they're introducing to their staff. So mm. an e-learning for their staff as well, training, stuff like that for new starts. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, you won't hear me in Little, as fun as that would be. Uh, but the staff members of Little will probably hear me. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's so much fun. Um, last time around, um, when you were uh, last on the show, I asked you um, to share what a typical day in the life looks for you when narrating audiobooks. Um, I'm very interested to know how your working day changes, if it does, when working for VO, uh, you know, working on VO content for a, a commercial or something like that. Could you tell us a little bit what your day looks like when it's just VO? Uh, yeah, so... Um... Uh, it's pre-arranged. They're often a live-directed session. It's pre-arranged over Zoom uh, or, or Microsoft Teams or whatever, or Skype sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and all you do, they'll they'll try and get you. The, they'll be like, "We'll try and get you the scripts beforehand." They never get you the script beforehand. It's always going through revisions until the last minute. So yeah. you'll generally get the script uh, sent through moments before you're you're going to go live on the session. So it's uh, cold reading. Um, luckily there isn't that much you just um if i do get it through i'll read it through a couple of times do a a practice um get myself warmed up so i look Mm. better in front of the client um and then you go live uh you do the reading you take direction from them everyone likes to do it a different way they want to give you readings Uh, sorry they want to give you direction to begin with or uh they'll want you to do a cold read and then use that as the the raw clay to then sculpt and change uh, and mold telling you what to change about it. Or they'll just like it straight away, which is a nice occurrence because everyone gets to finish early. Um, that's it's usually an hour session. Hmm. Um, so, and then once that's done, depending on the agent, um, usually I will, I've recorded it at my end using my DAW. I will clean it up. I'll master it. I'll make it sound nice. And then I'll send it off to the agent because you always have to send it to the agent. You're not allowed to uh, just cut them out and send the audio. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, 
because they will make sure you get paid. Uh, you know, they'll act as the, the middle person mm. and they'll hold the money and they'll hold the audio and they'll make sure it both get to the relevant parties. Mm. Um, and, th- and then that's it. Uh, f- and then I'll go back to making audiobooks or, or something. <laughs> so it doesn't take a lot of time out of your day. Uh, a normal day, uh, there, I don't think there is a just VO day for me. I'd be fortunate if it was because that would be a lot of money. Um, but and, and not as much prep work, etc. Yeah. Uh, but uh, an, a normal VO day for me is just part of an audiobook day, which is inserted in there. Um, hmm. Or if I have to go down to a studio at Red Facilities, where I usually go, uh, that's a you know an hour's drive to Edinburgh. If it takes a morning, it takes a morning. You know, it's half a day, um, a VO day then, because you go down, you you have a, a wee chinwag um you get comfortable you read the script you talk about it with the clients usually because it's directed they are or or in the room they're perhaps more exacting because they're paying more money so you do more uh takes and more variations um and then and then you go home if it's the latter half of the day um by that point i'm like well there's an hour left to do more work and i'm like i'm not i can't be bothered I'll just, <laughs> I'll just not work um so that's yeah that's me being brutally honest um and if it's in the morning i'll just do that one thing in the morning go down to red facilities and then come home and have lunch and work in the afternoon yeah, yeah so it's it's pretty it's pretty good it's a great thing to have that's nice what's your um what's your dream vo job okay all right so i love warhammer Forty Thousand. And I would love to narrate Warhammer 40,000 audiobooks for Black Library. I absolutely love it. Other than that, um, I really would love to be Batman. (laughs) Fulfill a childhood dream would be Batman in a video game. That would be amazing. Yeah. Nice. Rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. Absolute legend. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, but I I would be, uh, I would love to, love to play Batman. Like he's Mm -hmm. my number one favorite fictional character so yeah that would be amazing yeah, yeah sorry, so I, I would love to i would love to do uh warhammer books um and get i want to push into video games as well i, I love video mm. games so i'm trying to push myself in that direction this year yeah yeah that'd be great i'd love to do more i've no, i've done the only things i've done is um i think someone made um i'm not a massive gamer so this is probably going to be incredibly offensive to those who are but is it a dlc like an additional yes. like constant thing i've done some uh voiceover stuff for fan made dlcs for some computer games things like that that was a lot of fun that was a few years ago and i remember as soon as like finishing it just thinking oh, i'd love to do more of that so um partnered with audiobook empire um, you released your narration of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, I know you were narrating some corkers for the podcast uh, Bailey's Bookshelf. Um, was this was Dracula one of those originally? Can you tell us a little more about this Dracula project? And the cover is the cover is awesome, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Shout out to my um, friend uh, Stuart Wood. Look at look for S Wood Illustration on Instagram. Brilliant illustrator. He deserves to have your work if you're looking for for it. He's actually, that's a very simplistic cover design. I asked Mm. him to do quite simplistic. um, And I came up with the idea myself of like, I thought it'd be cool to have the teeth and the fangs. And then in the um, negative space in between the teeth, the front two teeth, bottom two teeth and the crossways, it would be cool to have um, 
a uh, like a inverted cross. Uh, yeah. You know, proper unholy looking. So yeah, I, I I come up with some good ideas for visuals, and then cannot it, it, <laughs> like create them at all. So Stuart's brilliant. Um, yeah. So it's funny you mentioned War of the Worlds because Bailey's bookshelf. I always wanted to narrate War of the Worlds, and the first season of War of the Worlds is, sorry, of Bailey's bookshelf is War of the Worlds. So um, I put that. I always wanted to read it, and I thought, well. I could read it or I could read it out loud into a microphone uh, and then like release it as a product. Um, And I hadn't heard, and this is no slight or not, I don't want to be mean about other audiobook podcasts, but I'd heard some where the quality was not my cup of tea Mm. uh, and the performance, I think it's not what I would normally want to listen to. So I, I couldn't hear for the most part, really well produced full audiobooks as podcasts yeah and they're in the public domain so i thought well i'll put this out usually you send samples of uh you narrating something to uh potential rights holders for audiobooks mm-hmm. and i thought what's better than a sample is like maybe a full audiobook <laughs> if i send them a full audiobook and say hey listen to this if you if you want to hear if i can sustain this over six or seven hours which is what the war of the worlds is yeah and then i thought well if it makes a bit of money on the side as well some residual income that i don't have to think about that would be brilliant um so yeah i started with the war of the worlds and then i was looking around for you know books that i wanted to read um i didn't you know hg wells is the you know the absolute don like mm. You know, he wrote The Time Machine, War of the Worlds, obviously, The Invisible Man, Island mm. of Dr. Moreau, like so many incredible books. He's such an incredible contributor to fiction in general. Um, but I couldn't go back to that well again, much as I want to do The Time Machine, which is also nice and short. Um, and I love Whitby. Me and my wife go to Whitby all the time on holiday, little breaks. It's where we, uh, where I proposed to her on Halloween oh, in wow. the graveyard. Nice. Um, you know, and it's got the big goth connection. It's, it's yeah, got yeah, a huge yeah. Dracula connection. I thought I've never read Dracula and I love it. You know, love the character in the other media that I see him in. I love Whitby and all the creepy gothic stuff. So I should, and I was at that point, I thought, what if Dracula in War of the Worlds? So I also thought, Maybe I should read Dracula. I should read Dracula if I want to use the character. So Mm. Dracula was the next choice. Um, It is a bit of a behemoth, in my opinion. I usually listen to shorter audiobooks, uh, Mm -hmm. 16 hours or so, compared to maybe the five or six hours of The War of the Worlds. So it's a bit of a monster. But yeah, that's where it came out. And um, it was a lot lot of work editing and mastering that. It was one of my toughest reads because the language is quite archaic mm. um i found doing a dutch accent extremely hard to do for uh dr van helsing <laughs> um but uh yeah it, it was really quite hard and i'm good pals with jess herring um who is the empress of audiobook empire mm. and i said next season yeah i just can't be doing with this I can't be doing with this proofing nonsense, this editing, mastering. It's, it's not. It's what you have to do for me, yeah, yeah. rather than the narration, which I love to do. 
So I, I was like, I wonder if I can just make, get someone else to do this. Uh, so um, I, I spoke to Jess and I was like, would you be interested in sponsoring uh, the next series of um, Bailey's Bookshelf? It's going to be quite short. It'll be Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's about three, three and a half hours, that audiobook. And she said, well, let's see. I'll think about it and let's see how the other ones do first. Um, and then she said, what I could do is put it onto um, audiobook platforms for you. And I was like, yeah, that would be great. Thank you very much. Because, you know, she has all those connections and distribution. So that's how it came about. Basically, I was like, yeah, please put Dracula on there. We decided to make it maybe part of a series because they have similar <laughs> colors. Um, it can be uh, it can be um, audio Becker Empire classics or whatever. Um, and, and the bonus there is you don't have me waffling doing podcast chat at the start and end and the adverts inserted through it, etc. If mm. you want to listen to it as the full audiobook uh, with no interruptions, then you can pay uh, instead of enduring adverts. Um, and that, that's how it came about, basically, just being, just being good mates with Jess at Audiobook yeah. Empire. Yeah. So that's fantastic. It's a nice thing, yeah. Well, good idea as well. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I hadn't to- really listened you know, I, I hadn't really heard many other people doing it to, to uh, a professional audiobook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's not to slight people doing it as a hobby, etc. But they don't have the time, the resources, the learning to make yeah. a, a really high production value, high quality sounding audiobook. So I, I wanted to put that out there. And I thought if these are books that I really not just want to read, but feel like I should read, like, I should yeah. have read Dracula. Like, you should read The War of the Worlds. I thought, well, other people will. And now they've got no excuse because audiobooks to me, have I've found them, if you're not on a credit type system, they can mm. be, until recent um, news about Audible putting the prices down, yeah. they have been prohibitively expensive, in my opinion. And I've always thought 25 quid is a lot to shell out for a book, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, no matter how good it is. And I, I think it's a barrier to entry for people who have not uh, experienced audiobooks before uh, and might be hesitant about joining subscription because that's always can feel like an obligation and it can put mm-hmm. people off. They might just want one, not to have this rolling subscription. So um, I thought, uh, well, now you can have it for free on online you know on, on as a podcast people love podcasts as well um so you can have it absolutely free and then maybe you'll come and buy some audiobooks hopefully my audiobooks so <laughs> yeah yeah as i couldn't say it better myself i think uh yeah fantastic um lrt media's sherlock holmes um, which just so happens to star yourself as uh, the legendary Holmes. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about this project and you know how it came about and just your overall experience being being Sherlock Holmes? Oh man, I love it! It's a dream come true, honestly. Like, there's no more famous, influential character in literature, in British literature, I imagine. Mm. Um, as much as I love Dracula, I think Sherlock Holmes is probably the, the bigger, more influential character. Um, so, yeah, I, I got on the roster of Northern Lake Media. Um, and if people don't know how to get on rosters, it's kind of similar to getting an agent. And in a way, audiobook 
production companies and rosters are kind of like the audio agents mm. of uh, audiobooks. They will send you auditions and you can uh, a- apply for them and you might get them and then you get the job, just like a- a- another kind of voice agent. Um, so I joined the roster of Northern Lake Audio and I actually uh, auditioned for War of the Worlds with them and didn't get it. This was actually after I'd recorded my own um, version, uh, but I auditioned for theirs and theirs was like a revised, modernized version. So I was like, oh, it'd be an interesting contrast. Didn't get it, but uh, Craig um, Hart, who's now my pal, um, he said he really liked what I did mm. and he'd actually got me in mind for another project and he offered me Sherlock well an unconventional homes it was called um and it's really fun it's a short audiobook it's three Sherlock Holmes stories um I think three or four based on fairy tales and one of them is is kind of like not based on fairy tales but is a a, a vampire mythology kind of yeah. post-apocalyptic victorian london vampire mythology which is a lot of fun um so i did that that went down very nicely i'm pleased to say and it was such a thrill to be paid to play sherlock holmes in that i say play i'll come on to that um and then later he was putting together his audio drama company lrt it originally comes from it was called legacy radio theater which is what the lrt is but mm-hmm. then he wanted to diversify into other kinds of audio productions so that it became uh, LRT Media. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, do you want to play Sherlock Holmes in this? And I was like, I would love to play Sherlock Holmes in this because I love audio dramas. They're so cool. Yeah. Um, and to play Sherlock Holmes in an audio drama is just, ah, oh, what a dream for a voice actor who loves audio dramas and loves like, old Victorian kind of fiction and talking in a posh voice a lot. Um, so, yeah, the audio drama series has started. There's the the second one is out now. The third one is is in pre-production. It, it's just great. And what an honor to be just asked straight out if I want yeah, to yeah, be yeah. Sherlock Holmes. So, yeah, I with um, with the audio book, you know, obviously I played Sherlock Holmes. Uh, because I was doing everything. So I, one of the characters I played was Sherlock Holmes. But I didn't really class that as playing Sherlock in a way. Whereas when I just was Sherlock, just doing the dialogue, in a way that felt more, I felt more comfortable to say I've played Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously I'd say I've done a Sherlock Holmes audiobook. I don't know why I make that distinction. I am playing the characters but it's just different to me. Does that make I get, sense A hundred percent, yeah. I get what you mean. So, yeah, uh, now it's really nice to be able to say, I've played, I'm a Sherlock. I used to go <laughs> around saying to people, I'm a Sherlock. Um, so, yeah, that's just, just an immense honour. I love doing it. I'd love to do more audio dramas as well. Um, yeah. I'm going to make my own this year. I've decided, like, oh, nice. I've made them in the past. Um, I made one years ago um, called The Copper Audio Cascades. Uh, which was fantastic. And I do recommend people check that out on Audible or wherever you can get it, which was like set in an insane um, superhero prison, uh, supervillain prison, which was lots of fun. Um, so, yeah, I want to make, and I've done sound design for uh, Spiteful Puppet. There was an old TV show called Robin of Sherwood, 
Mm. Uh, and they do audio dramas of that. So I was fortunate enough to be asked to sound design one of those. So that was a lot of fun. I've done mm. three-ish, four um, audio dramas for them a few years ago, like um, sound designed it, not acted in it. And I've got a few, you know, short stories that I've written. And I've like, well, a sound, uh, an audio drama is a short story. You know, they're not novel length. So I'd love to do that. I'll, I'll you know, I'll take out another subscription to audio blocks or whatever it's called these days, store, story blocks and, and do one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was great to uh, great to play Sherlock Holmes. I'm very grateful. Yeah, well, that sounds fantastic. Well, to Sherlock thing and also doing your doing your own one uh, down the line um, and revisiting that. That's, that sounds great. I work um, with um, a lady called Fiona Thrale as well. I hope I've pronounced your surname right. Um, <laughs> who does brilliant audio dramas, which are um, under the Dashing Onions label. Mm. Um, I have to ask her one day where that comes from. Um, <laughs> and I performed in a few of hers. Um, and she she's very kind about my voice acting uh and says very nice things and she you know she's gave me quite a pivotal role in the last one so um yeah her, hers are well worth listening to as well you can find them just by searching dashing onions and they're out as podcasts as well so i recommend that and if you want to do something different as a voice actor hmm. um, or an audiobook narrator just try and get involved with audio drama uh groups um even you know the money might not be very much uh, because I think audio dramas are like, you know, e- even even less popular than yeah. audiobooks. But they are tremendous fun to do. Uh, they don't take much time if you're a voice actor and uh, bang another uh, title on your CV, you know? I think that's good advice. I definitely do. I've only done, probably done about five or six in the last sort of year and a bit, maybe two years. Um, but I did a Doctor Who one, um, not 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 an official BBC one. It was like, you know, a thing. And uh, yeah, I played uh, Captain Mikey Yates. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was That's fun. so fun. I've done like a an audio, uh, an unofficial Doctor Who 1979 annual, which was quite fun on 1977 unit annual. So yeah, if you're a proper Doctor Who nerd like I am, you'll know what unit is. And they used to do annuals of doctor who and so i I, yeah, yeah. I did like a kind of sound designed short story um based around unit organization which is in doctor who so yeah it's a lot of fun to do that kind of thing yeah i now know i now don't know whether to ask you the actual question that i have or ask you a doctor who related question <laughs> like both, both at the same time <laughs> right, we'll start we'll start with the uh audio one and then i'll i'll come back to uh ask you if you're excited about russell t davis's return um, but the, but your um your recent projects such as uh, AK Faulkner's Inheritance series um The Iron Crown by LL Macrae I hope I've pronounced that right um and uh, and many others uh, clock a heck of a lot of hours um The Iron Crown for example 18 hours plus Inheritance series like if I add it up that correctly I mean that's almost like 100 hours of audio that series alone yeah, um, yeah. has working on your booth stamina been like an active effort for you have you ever any advice on how one can improve uh booth stamina if that's a even a thing um what do you mean by booth stamina do you mean get... hours in there consecutively or i guess so yeah i mean like so 
you know, on the on these projects that can be just just sort of keeping fresh, keeping consistent, you know, both in your voice, like actual you know, long term narrating, but then also kind of like mentally and, and keeping yourself positive and and I guess inspired, maybe. I don't know. Sure. So I think with um, I think when it comes to keeping yourself enthusiastic about it, I'm very fortunate a to work on really good audiobooks that I enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. especially because there's like fantasy and stuff and horror in it and sci-fi and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, which is absolutely my jam. Um, so that that is fine. Like, I, I can't believe how un- unbelievably lucky I am to be able to just tell stories. for. Like, if I told little me, are oh, you going to be telling <laughs> fantasy stories for a living? I'd just be like, that is amazing. So, And I am mentally still a child in many ways. <laughs> so I uh, I don't feel the need to stay like make myself infused because you get to be like minotaurs and like zombies and stuff like that so yeah it refreshes itself it is a self-refreshing job when it comes to stamina um i work out how many chapters i've got to do a day i don't work in you know Mm -hmm. it might be more logical and even to work out how many pages you've got to do and every day might be more even but then i would rather have do one chapter in a go and it be consistent rather than mm. end an ap- chapter there and then move on to the, a chapter, the, the same chapter the following day and maybe it not be so consistent in the voice. Um, mm-hmm. So I work out how many chapters I've got to do and that helps me keep things, you know, writing on my whiteboard and that helps me keep, um, I was going to say keep things regular, but that's probably an unfortunate euphemism for something else. <laughs> helps me keep things um the same amount every day Um, so i'm not like running away with myself and and just losing uh morning afternoon and nighttime to it Mm. um so that helps a lot uh plus just get you got to get it done like some of these books are very long for me like not in a bad way they are long like my longest one is a ritual of flesh um which you know people will have done much longer jobs but this was um just over 20 hours yeah finished length which would seem like a long time absolutely yeah um love it as i did and it really hurt right because it's very gruff it's very grimdark so a lot of my characters are like that so it's murder on the vocal cords never mind the zombies who are so that hurts uh the longer you do it over however long it takes to make the book um, but when it comes to staying consistent with the voice, it's not like for me, uh, maybe I'll get flack for this, but no one's ever commented on me not being consistent. But my voice will ab- absolutely, to some degree, degrade throughout the course of recording an audiobook. If you took chapter one and you put it, you know, you compared it to the epilogue, my voice is going to sound a bit different because it's just tired and you've been doing that many hours talking a day over so many days or perhaps weeks um your voice is going to sound different it's going to be tired but no one notices because they're going along with you on this journey they're listening to it sequentially and i think any degradation in voice is so by such little increments down Mm -hmm. that they won't notice that it is kind of like slowly Mm -hmm. slowly maybe getting a bit coarser a bit rougher and now i think about it maybe that's good because a lot of the stuff I do has like desperate finales and things like that and final b- bloody fights. 
and maybe like a hoarser, harsher sound to my voice actually suits um, those finales a lot more. So I, I, I don't worry about it, really. Yeah, fair enough. I know exactly what you mean. I think, um, I don't know, sometimes I think that we can pick up things you know, how we feel and, and uh, you know, about our voice and that may not be as apparent um, to others who are perhaps not as familiar with our, with our, um, with our voice. And I love hearing audiobooks by the, you know, big production companies. You know, I listen mm-hmm. to um, The Girl in the Train. The Girl in, on the Train? The Girl on the Train. Yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Because I was just like, everyone's talking about this book. It's not my u- usual thing, but I listen to it. Yeah. And I noticed a few slip-ups there. I can't remember if it was narrator slip up or some kind of weird editing or production or maybe both. However, when I hear that in big books like blockbusters, I'm like, whew, that's I'll pop that one in the bank and make make myself feel better. If yeah. I listen back to my own audio book and, and hear a mistake in it, I'll get everyone makes mistakes. The biggest audio book producers will make mistakes. Yeah. And it's possible that I'm only hearing the mistakes in those blockbuster audiobooks because I make audiobooks myself. Um, so it's good, it's good to kind of remember that everyone is going to make those mistakes. 100%. And I also have like uh, my f- mantra. I actually heard it on a Warhammer podcast and they were talking about painting uh, and improving your painting. But I was like, that is a profound thing. And someone said, don't be the enemy of done. And I was like, that is incredible. What an amazing match. Totally changed my working life because I would, I would spend like hours and hours noodling on one piece or another. And that's not good for business overall. That individual product might not be the perfect product, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but for overall, you're able to do more titles. And the more titles you do, the more titles you're given to narrate. And there is a business. You know, and you've got to do what's not just best for that book, although I will try my utmost to create a, a, a great audio book. But you've also got to think about your longevity. You've got to think, mm. how am I going to sustain this? How much money do I have to make a month to put food on my table? Mm. And also, if I don't make enough money and I have to not do this job, then that leaves the current author that I'm working on without the same narrator for the sequel. So they don't want to any, you know, they, they want you to stick around as well. So you'll do the sequel and they want you to do more titles because mm-hmm. the more titles you do, the more prestige you have as an author, uh, narrator, which means they might check out that author's audio book. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, and the audience might check out that author's audio book off the back of a title that you've narrated. And they think, I like that narrator. Let's have a look at, oh, the 13th hour or, Mm-hmm. We men of ash and shadow or ritual of flesh or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't let perfect be the enemy of done is just, I have it on my whiteboard all the time. It's just like, it's, 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 it's just amazing. It's changed yeah. my life. I think it can also be used for all areas of life as well. Like you mentioned um, you writing earlier and I think that's another one. Writing can be so, you can be so sort of scared of it not being perfect and not being this exact perfect thing that you have in your head that you don't write or you skip a session or you, you know, you sometimes even give up. I was thinking uh, the other day, I've just read um, a book called Save the Cat Writes a Novel. So yeah. I, I, I can uh, write a novel better. And um, they were, she was talking, Jessica Brody, the author, is talking about how when you make 
don't be afraid of doing a a a, a rough first draft an unsightly <laughs> crude first draft many people call it the discovery draft because they are just like feeling out the story finding out where it goes and she said that's a problem for future you to deal with not present you and i was like that's amazing i was thinking like sometimes i am scared of the opinion of future me i don't want interesting I, you know yeah. if i make something i don't want to make something bad when i first start because i'm like oh what if it's crap what if future me looks at it and goes oh god what were you thinking this is awful Hmm. Um, you've got to give yourself permission to write something bad because you shouldn't be afraid of the opinion of future you. Mm -hmm. Future you is actually your employee. You delegate tasks to future you. You make something now, you roughly chip out the, the, the shape of the sculpture from the rock and give it in, you know, give it about the right form approximately. And then you're like, you pass it on in a way you put it to one side and you go future you. Now it's your job to refine it. So when, when you take this task future you, then, then you're the person who needs to like sand it down and give it all the, you know, all nice rounded edges and, and chip yeah. it with your tiny chisel into a much more, uh, a pre, you know, nicer state. And then yeah. that future you can ship it off to the next future you. So it's like a production line of you. Like, <laughs> and, and you just need to pass, do your bit and then pass it on to the next person. And that next person is you at your next creative session, whenever yeah. that might be. So I think that's true of audiobooks as well. You can do, don't be afraid to make something that you think, oh, this isn't great because future you will go back and listen to it and they'll fix your mistakes. Because they're your little dog's body, future you. That is such an interesting perspective. I've never, I've never thought like that before. Um, I definitely will be from now on. <laughs> um, as we uh, as we find um, more and more events and and you know things happening and opening up after that old COVID thing. I don't know if you remember it. Um, but are the uh, <laughs> are there any? Um, vo or or narrator events that you have your eye on our meetups or conventions or you know in 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 person things something that you're interested in um i've never been to i'll be honest like there's a apac or something in yeah, yeah. america I, I i don't know if i've got that kind of dosh to, <laughs> to go to a conference in america yeah. um so you know i'm doing all right right now and I do go to virtual events, um, which sprung up over COVID. And I find that very useful. And I'm not shy of putting my hand up or speaking at these events. You know, Audiobook Empire runs a few virtual events and they're really good. But I've not been to them because that money to me is holiday money. And yeah. I, I, you know, it's not just me in this relationship. And I can't say to my wife, or I, I wouldn't want to say to my wife, I'm not going on holiday with you this year. I'm going to a voiceover convention, or we need to have a, a smaller holiday this year. I'm going to a voiceover convention because, you know, my job is not my be all and end all. So and maybe that's why I'll, I'll never hit great heights. I don't know. But it's important to me to kind of like, also recognize that that money that I make is also for having a nice time with my family. Yeah. Um, so 
Ida, are there any that you recommend I should go to? Um, it's, you know, first of all, it's so interesting that you say that as that could be pasted from my own life and my own conversations with my partner. Yeah, um, because I, you know, we love to travel and we love to go away and she's a teacher. So um, she has frequent, you know, kids holidays um, and we can get away a fair bit. And that's, you know, something incredibly important to us um, as a couple. So when I, one of my, um, one of my own sort of resolutions this year was to try my best to get to more things, but then try not to impact, um, you know, my, my private life, as it were, my, you know, my, my actual life. Um, I would say, so that was, yeah, it's interesting that you say, because that's definitely something that I've been trying to siphon off money from different, you know, areas to not make sure that, you know, not um, compromise anything. Um for conventions, I think, unfortunately for us on this side of the pond, they all seem to, or a lot of them, most of them seem to be America-based, um, which, you know, it depends on kind of finances at the time and stuff, but sometimes you can make a little holiday, because I'm off to APAC this year, um, but it was, um, it's, you know, I mean, by the time it, it's all said and done, a bit of spending me and stuff, it's like two and a half grand. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's not a cheap thing, but I'm going for a week and treating it as a vacation. I'm going to go see the Statue of Liberty and like, yeah. <laughs> do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but the uh, but yeah, so uh, it's it's kind of like both for um, myself. I t- yeah, so I'm, I'll see what APAC's like. I've heard great things, and um, I know quite a few um, who are making the trip. So it'd be nice to like, meet up. Um, I think the um, there are. I did hear talks of uh, Sean Pratt and Johnny Heller are having like a convention in the UK. Um, yeah, I think so. it's not set in stone yet. But then when I had um, Sean on the podcast um, a few months ago, he mentioned it again. And that was like the second time I'd heard about it. So hopefully it's like something that they're going to set up. Um, but I've been trying to, um, I don't know kind of how much real reach this podcast kind of has, but I've been drumming the idea up of trying to organize a little meetup myself um, and trying to get you know a group of us around the UK and see if we can find somewhere that we can you know sort of gather for a day or two um, even just like a social thing yeah totally yeah. totally you don't know yeah. what that could turn into so yeah I'd be well up for that like you say you know it's a big ask to go to America anywhere in America two and a half grand is not a small amount of money no. to throw around and I'm very pleased that you're able to do that um, I, I, I can't at the moment um you know hmm. as much as i want to go to these stuff you know these places on the other hand venice is sinking <laughs> like i don't know how long i've got left to go to venice <laughs> i don't yeah. want to go to venice you know yeah. so um yeah it, 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 it's a lot of money to throw around and i actually we touched on this we didn't touch on it we talked extensively about it in the last podcast <laughs> um how you know about toxic behavior oh in yeah community and stuff yeah and um it actually made me um retreat from vo community for many years so i'm not like into the vo community i don't participate a huge amount in forums and stuff because mm-hmm. i had such unpleasant um encounters and seen unpleasant encounters there that i was just like nah this is bad for my mental health i'm gonna back away from this and just go my own way, do my own thing, learn, uh, you know, self-teach. So, yeah, that's the other thing about um, conventions. I'm just a bit like, I see them as like, maybe I'm wrong, but I see them as maybe like an in-person version of 
a Facebook group. And I know people can be absolute dickheads in Facebook groups. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want that in real life. It's stressful enough when I can turn my computer off. I'm sure <laughs> it's not like that because a lot of people don't realize that online is yeah. also real life. That You know, you, yeah, you'll yeah, get yeah. people who go, what you say on the internet doesn't count. It does count. It is real life. If it wasn't real life, it wouldn't be taking place. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I've had such unpleasant encounters in the past. I've just been like, I stay, just do my own thing. Thank you. And my li- talk to myself in my little box. I'm quite happy. Do you know, I, w- I know exactly what you mean. My biggest fear, I guess, in real life stuff was, because I, I don't know if it's just imposter syndrome or something, but just that fear of being called out or asked a question that you should know and you don't on the spot. Or even if you did know the answer at the time, your mind blank. That happens to me all the time. My mind just goes blank and I forget who I am. And um, I was in New York visiting a friend um, a few months ago and um, I, ha- I was speaking with Andre Santana, who's a fantastic narrator, and had him on the show. And um, I was speaking with him because I knew that he was New York based and I was wondering if he wanted to meet up for a coffee or whatever. And he suggested, oh, how about um, I get a, a group of the, the New York narrators, you know, who are based in New York and we all like, go out for drinks and stuff. And it was an amazing idea, but immediately I was so nervous and so like, you know, the, all these guys are going to be, you know, the, the nominated for Audi Awards and like all this. And there's just going to be a little of me sat in the corner. And I was sort of, yeah, really sort of scared all the months building up to it. And then as soon as I was there, they made me feel so welcome. They were so lovely and generous and, you know, and then it kind of. I don't know, it was allowed me to dip my toe into, oh, maybe this is kind of fun. And so that's what sparked the APAC thing. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of us actors just love talking about ourselves. So I think if you just ask someone a question, you know, all the pressure's off you. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. It's almost (laughs) like, um, I feel like it's a bit like uh, an ignition when you speak to a lot of like voice actors and stuff. You're just like, if I just find the right key, (laughs) and turn it then the engine will just start going and i can just sit back and enjoy the ride yeah yeah exactly so it was so that was a that was huge relief to me but to be yeah truthfully i have no idea what um what uh you know most of the american stuff's like i'll uh i'll have to let you know but we should definitely chat about um sorting something out in the uk maybe some listeners want to get involved and um yeah we can we can do something and uh there is an audio drama thing that takes place down south um, and I wasn't able to go this year, just had a bunch of work on. Um, mm. But yeah, it, you know, so if there's an appetite for that, um, I think there's definitely going to be an appetite for audiobooks, certainly. So yeah, we'll have to get that going. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a laugh. Um, so just a few more questions as we bring the show to a, to a close, if that's okay. Um, so when not in the booth, what can we find you up to? Painting toy soldiers. Uh, nice. I do love my toys, my warhammers. Um, I'd, I've got a 3D printer last year, and nice. uh, it is um, it's like magic. It's amazing. You pour the goo in, you press a button, and like hours later, it's amazing. It's like the closest thing that we have right now to a, a replicator from Star Trek, except <laughs> you can like only make one kind of thing of a certain size in one specific substance. But it's the closest we've got right yeah. now. It's absolutely incredible. So I love tinkering with my um, 3D printing and stuff. Um, I love my video games. So you can see why my two ambitions are narrate Warhammer books, be in video games. 
I've yeah. recently got into video games again after a long time off, and they are, you know, I had a, a bad depressive episode at the end of last year when the winter sets in, it tends to happen. Mm-hmm. And like, I was just like, I've not played video games in way too long. I just threw myself into Star Wars, into Bioshock, into all kinds of stuff. Assassin's Creed, such a refreshing thing to do that requires no one else's input. Um, yeah. You can play it at whatever time if you're feeling crap at 3 a.m. You can go downstairs, kill a few stormtroopers. <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah. and, and also with the Warhammer, also, it, you know, as a solitary job like this, and as a very nerdy person, you go and you play games with people. And they're also very nerdy people uh, because they're into painting toy soldiers and into science fiction lore and stuff. So you go, I've made really good friends um by play, playing toy soldiers with them i'm um, do it again saturday it's it's wonderful fun um, yeah. i'm also uh, i love watching movies be it at the cinema or at home um uh, horror movies are, are, are a big i'm a big fan of i'm very much looking forward to watching skinnamarink when it comes out here and um walking my dogs love a bit of nature love a bit of the countryside so walking my two dogs one of them my rescue dog, Mina, the mongrel, she uh, oinks sometimes like a pig. <laughs> um, I don't know how, but she does. And my border collie recently has learned how to oink um, from Mina. So now I have two oinking dogs. It's really <laughs> weird. Like walking around and occasionally you'll just have these dogs oinking at you like pigs. It's great. It's surreal. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love a good oink. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a very satisfying sound. Yeah, and to say, just I've just realised that now, very satisfying indeed. Um, yeah. What's the best word to say? What's your favourite word to say? I don't know. There's so many. I know so many. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say oink now, but that's cheating, isn't it? <laughs> no, you can have oink. I'll have oink. Yeah, I'm a fan of Norse words oh, yeah? like uh, Yggdrasil. I find very satisfying to say the world tree and the world serpent. Jormungandr is like oh that's a good one get your mouth around that oh lovely Jormungandr yeah oh sounds good man sounds very good you can't sound down when you when you say that <laughs> exactly yeah even so, though your voice drops naturally into a very manly tone <laughs> <laughs> what is a question that you were wished that you were asked more do you want to narrate my audiobook that's a good one. It is it's a question I wish I was asked more. Um, industry at wide. Um, what is probably like I'm going to be um, probably a bit do- boring and conventional. What's the right? What's a fair rate for an audiobook narrator to be paid? I wish I was asked that more mm. um, because I think there is a lot of misconceptions about oh, yeah. how much an audiobook narrator should be paid compared to how much an audiobook narrator, how much you can get an audiobook narrator for. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, the royalty share thing has created problems sometimes. Because um, unfortunately, and fortunately, there are some very good royalty share audiobook narrators. So it's not like you can't get one for essentially free. Yeah. Um, but the problem with royalty share is... If all the risk is on the um, on the narrator, all of the risk. So you could do a royalty share one and then it doesn't sell 
the author doesn't do their job or mm-hmm. and promote the audiobook as they should. And if it's not selling, the author can just be like, ah, oh, that's a shame. Well, didn't cost me anything. So whereas, you know, if it takes you, if it's a long ass audiobook and it takes you maybe a month to make, and then so that's a month's wages it has to make at minimum to break e- even. Yeah. And then and then if it doesn't sell at all, well, that is a big deal for you because you've lost a month's wages on that. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I think there should be some better. I, I would like to be asked more what a fair rate is, not mm-hmm. um, not how cheap can you do it? Uh, <laughs> because, yeah, because I'll go, well, I can't do it for that rate. And they'll go, fair enough. And then they'll yeah. go somewhere else, which is a shame because sometimes as an artist, which an author is, it would be nice if all artists valued the time and skills and craft of other artists, but mm. sometimes they don't and they would like to get it for free very quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think if people are doing royalty share and if everyone asked for more money, they would get paid more. The people doing it for nothing might be delighted to go, oh, I can get paid for like properly for this rather than just go, well, I'll do royalty share because, you know, they're easy to get. So. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I'd like to be asked more. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good one. I, I mean, it's 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 shocking, really. I mean, when I mean, just I mean, I've been doing this like six years, six and a bit years now, and um, the standard rate that you sort of saw floating around, which is two hundred and fifty dollars per finished hour, which is like industry, you know, the lowest industry standard rate, that hasn't changed in six years. But yet, my rent has gone up, the food prices have gone up, everyone's cost of living has risen dramatically, bills, etc. Need you go on, you know, that's all gone up. That's all. You know, they're all profiting more, but yet this rate seems to have stagnated. People um, who have been doing this decades, I don't want to cast shade, but I'll often see them in forums saying you shouldn't work less for 250 bucks per hour. Yeah. And maybe you can get that with 300 audiobook titles to your name. Yeah, but yeah. if you've got 10 audio, you know, sod yeah. 10, if this is your first audiobook, second audiobook, Good luck, mate, getting a $250 per full hour. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen. I don't think that's realistic. It should be. That should be realistic. But also, you need some money to put uh, food on your table. You need mm-hmm. a title to get your CV going. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it's realistic uh, that you should just expect every single job to be $250 an hour because. Mm. It just, it's not going to happen. It's that mm. old chestnut of, you need experience to work here, but I need to work to get experience. Like if it's your first job, it, it's kind of like that. Yeah. It should be $250 an hour. Um, but to get that first audiobook or first few audiobooks, I don't think you're going to be able to, unfortunately. No. A lot of production companies will not cannot give you $250 per full hour. You know, there's mm-hmm. audiobook production companies that are offering you a flat rate uh, for it, which might be a reasonable deal or it might be not at all. Like they're not offering per full hour or they'll say this is a royalty share deal. And on the flip side of that, yes, yeah, some audiobook companies that do royalty share deals will take care of all the post-production for you. That's great. But as a result, you're getting a third profit, you know, third mm-hmm. royalties, not the half royalties that if you did it all for yourself. Um, mm. So yeah, even audiobook production companies are not offering 
$250 per full hour. I think, you know, the big ones will be that and more. I asked for, there was, I don't want to say the name, but I, I've done a, a job for an extra, like arguably one of the biggest, and they're certainly owned by one of the biggest companies in the world. Um, and, and they only stretched so far when I asked for a certain amount. And they said, yeah. this is the maximum budget we've got on it. So, yeah, it, I think I'd love the prices to go up us to charge more but i don't think they will sadly Mm. um unless there's some kind of major change major educational thing and i Mm. also think it's maybe a bit crap for me to go no you shouldn't you can't take that because they might go oh i'm doing this as a hobby so i don't care about making money and who am i to like say no, you shouldn't do it. You should not have that hobby. Then you, you're not allowed to partake in that hobby. You know, like some people play golf professionally. Some people do it for fun. Some people paint um, beautiful paintings professionally. Some people do it for fun. And those people who do it for fun might get it displayed in a gallery as well. Who are we to say yeah. no? You can't enjoy yourself making art because it might yeah. be detrimental to me. Who does it for a living? Um, so I think it's a complex moral issue on that ground. But yeah. yeah, overall, it'd be great if you were asked how more often, how much is a reasonable rate? I try to tell people, so when, you know, when I'm talking to them, so you, you're paying my wages, just so you know, like you, you, you are salary. It's a salary yeah. that you're going to pay me to make this. It, it's, if you put it in a very real term, I yeah. often find they're a bit more amenable to the price uh, being more reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the ways, um, certainly I was told um, by a, a friend and colleague of mine who narrates books and he was saying that um, the only way that he could sort of increase his um, increase his price was working, you know, with authors themselves, just between them two, you know, with the rights holder and with, with him and negotiating that with just the two of them. Um, because even, as you say, even the big five publishers are really struggling now to, you know, if you unless you're a massive name, obviously. Um, are struggling to to find that cash it's um i spoke to someone yeah. in, uh for a particular audiobook company i joined the roster of and i he said what's your standard rate and i said oh like 280 quid please per full hour and he went that's not gonna fly like he said to me for british audiobook companies you're looking at 100 pounds an hour on average and he said yeah. he would love to pay more he would love to pay more. He would love everyone to make more money. But he's like, the clients just won't go that higher. Mm. They will not buy. They're not willing to invest that much in an audio book. So he can only offer like, and he said, that's, that's an average across a lot of uh, audio book producers in the United mm. Kingdom. So I think we are perhaps more undervalued here in the UK than we mm. are, than, than our colleagues are over the pond, for example. Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to that. Um, definitely, and you know, t- talking with um, studios as well, and and he's, you know, everyone's just sort of having such a difficult time. Find- I guess it's it's not just the audio industry; it's across all industries of people just don't have that much cash to float around right now because of the you know the various situations that occur. It's very um, yeah, very somber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is why I, part of the reason why I was doing Bailey's bookshelf, I was like, well, podcasts make money you know they're a big industry mm. so 
uh, if I can turn my skills to making a podcast, which will hopefully get advertising revenue that I don't have to think about. Mm. And it's kind of like evergreen content, the War of the yeah, Worlds yeah. and Dracula will never not go out of fashion. Mm. Uh, so hopefully that's just going to be evergreen content that's going to, you know, get the adverts mm. and make me some coins. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be uh, it'll definitely be publicised on the uh, show notes of this show. Appreciate <laughs> so, it. Thank you very much. So, I'd love to. Uh, I'd just love to end um, by asking you, um, but just by simply asking you, if you have any upcoming projects that you're excited about that you can talk about uh, that we can look forward to. Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned how long the Inheritance series is. Well, book nine is is coming <laughs> along, so I'll be doing that, which I'm excited about. Uh, the next. Um, the next in the Iron Crown, uh, so, well, it's called The Dragon Spirits, actually, that saga. Uh, the first book was The Iron Crown. The next one is being written, and uh, Lauren's already booked me in uh, to get that one made, so I'm very excited about that. I also work with um, Ash Ericmore, who does, like, splatter fiction, um, which is I enjoy as a horror fan, especially yeah. if, as... A, a fan of extremely gory uh, horror movies uh, that descend into black comedy, like Evil Dead and stuff, which is so over the top, it becomes funny. Like that's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his books are kind of like a literary equivalent of that. Um, so uh, there's a books I've done um, a three part series with him um, called Sick F Word, um, and then he wants me to do another series with him. Uh, about a family called the Smalls family, which is I'm looking forward to because that's his most popular book series. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to work with him on that as well, which will be a nice refresher. And as a horror movie fan, I forgot to mention, I'm currently narrating a uh, non-fiction factual history of the Puppet Master franchise. Nice um, about the uh, killer puppets. So yeah, that's a lot of fun to do, and I'm learning a, a lot of cool horror trivia as well. So that'll be out before long. That's fantastic. That sounds amazing. Well, again, certainly sounds like you've got you've uh, got a lot of stuff on, and uh, yeah, sounds great. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that just about does it for uh, this episode of the Audiobook Club. Uh, all of RJ's links to social media and website, and of course, uh, where you can uh, find the podcast and the audiobooks mentioned, uh, will be linked in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And of course, another huge thank you to you, RJ, uh, for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a delight as it was the first time. I hope to do it again one day. We'll have to do it. You'll have to come back every series. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. Frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook? Annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70% royalties, they actually mean 70% of 50% or 80% of 70%, neither of which is an actual 70%. Wishing there was a way to cut out the middleman? Yet, you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. We at Pro Audio Voices hear you. Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% of the sales price that you set, that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them, and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com. You'll find Amplify in the marketing menu.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.